right, well, welcome Hope Church. Thank you so much for being a part of our online service today. Our scripture comes from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, church, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, you're just so good. And God, um, I am excited to preach this, excited to proclaim what you have done for us and how good you are to us. So God, I just pray that you speak through me. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need you to lead me through this. And God, would I not rely just simply on the things I've written, but on the Spirit of God within me? Lord, would you guide me? God, would you give me words to say? Would you give me wisdom, direction? And Lord, uh, just lead me and just do your work during this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, well, good morning. Thank you all so much for joining us, for being a part of our online service today. My name is Logan Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. Our lead pastor, Jeff Eaton, was planning on preaching today, um, but he wound up getting getting sick at the beginning of the week. It was not COVID. He got tested. Praise God, it wasn't COVID. Um, he's doing better, uh, but he called me on Tuesday, asked me to fill in today, so here I am. So I'm excited to be here, and I am excited to preach today. And so last week, we began a new series that is simply called The Gospel. And this series is just taking such a deep, personal, closer look at the good news, at the gospel um, itself. And with the goal that by Thanksgiving, that every single person in our church would be able to fully and adequately um, articulate the gospel that we would be able to say the gospel so that when you are asked what the gospel is, you can give them the answer. And so last week, Jeff kicked us off with a series, and we said that the gospel, which means good news, in its simplest form is the announcement that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has brought about a way of salvation and reconciliation back into relationship with Him. The cross and resurrection of Jesus is the central thrust of the gospel message. And so Jeff also said that there are other elements to the gospel, such as the ascension of Christ and his soon return. And so each week through this series, we're basically unpacking those other elements in order to get the fullest picture of the gospel that we can. And so today, in order to get into the first element of the gospel, I want, to, I want to take us back to the scripture that Jeff used last week, which was Romans 1.16. That scripture says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So again, focus there on where it says it is the power of God. Right? It is God's power. It is God's gospel. It's not our gospel. It is God's gospel. It is God's power. It's not our power. It is His power. And so that's the focus of today. The first and most important element of the gospel is God Himself. God Himself. He is the first and foremost important element of the gospel. Two quotes I want to read to you. First is by a guy named John Piper. And he says, The greatest good of the gospel is not forgiveness, justification, or eternal life, as good as these are. The highest, fullest, deepest, sweetest good of the gospel is God Himself, enjoyed by His redeemed people, 
The gospel is the good news that God bought for us the everlasting enjoyment of God. God himself is the greatest good of the gospel. And then another quote by a guy named Matt Chandler in his book, uh, The Explicit Gospel. He says, The great message that we call the gospel begins not with us or our need or even the meeting of that need, but with the writer of the news and the sender of its heralds, God himself. So the starting point of the good news, the first and most important element of the gospel has to be God. Without a thorough understanding of who God is, we cannot yet begin to understand the goodness of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So scripture itself starts with God. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's the very first verse in all of the Bible. And where does Scripture begin? It begins with God as creator of all things. All right, look at that verse again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Another verse, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. They say, For by Him, by God, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So here's what we learn about God in Scripture, and that is that God is the absolute creator of all things that ever have and ever will exist. All of it finds its source and God Himself. It's the very first thing we learn about God. The very first verse in Scripture is that in the beginning, before there was anything, God created. So God is Creator. And then again in Colossians, this is reiterated. All things in heaven on earth, the things that are seen, the things that are unseen, visible, invisible, rulers, authorities, powers, all things are created not just by God and through God, but for God. Meaning that all things are His. If He created all things, well then He owns all things. All things are owned by God. All things are His because all things were created by Him. And so by His creative might, He is holding all things together. We see that? So God is Creator. So um, I think that this teaching about God as Creator, you know, it's, it's pretty basic, right? Like, I'm pretty sure the very first thing that I ever learned about God was that He created everything. You know, that's that's almost like kindergarten. This world and this universe, you know, they didn't just happen by chance. You know, it didn't just appear. And like, like the universe didn't wake up one day. It was just like, you know what? I think I'm just going to exist today. But no, it didn't happen. Like, God created it. There's a beginning, there's an end, and it all starts with God, all of it was created not just by God, but for God. And so what I think is even more significant than just the mere fact that God created all things is how God created all things. How He created all things is really incredible. See, He didn't take like a bunch of raw material, like, like rocks and, and sand and water and metal, and then form the earth out of those things. Like, you know, he didn't like, like look at a picture of a star to see what a star should look like and then take the gas and the heat and the, and the fire and the things that were available in order to make that star. You know, he didn't go like shopping down Lowe's, down the paint section to look at all the colors available to him so that he could choose what colors to paint the grass and the flowers and the sunsets and stuff. Like, 
No, that, that didn't happen. It says that God made absolutely everything out of absolutely nothing. There's no picture he, he went off of. There's no colors that he already had available to him. There's no raw material. Like God created the raw material simply by saying be and it was. Which is incredible. He just spoke it into motion and there it was. So let, me, let me describe it to you this way. Um, one of the things that I really like to watch are nature documentaries. Like, uh, like Planet Earth. Like that is an awesome series. You see all these ecosystems and different habitats and the, these different animals. You begin to see these animals you may have never heard of and how beautiful they are and how this animal affects this animal and this plant and what happens to it can affect this part of the ecosystem. You see all these things, okay? And to me, that's fascinating. Uh, my son Ezra loves to watch these too. Um, on Disney Plus, there's a whole bunch of nature documentaries. His favorite one's about penguins. He loves it. It's it's awesome. Um, but I watched a documentary recently about black holes. I was like, this this seems interesting, you know. So I turned on this documentary about black holes, which uh, follows two different teams of physicists doing their own respective research about these black holes. And so one team was led by famous physicist Stephen Hawking. All right, and so they're trying to find certain properties of black holes. Don't ask me to tell you what they are because I have no idea because it was way over my head. They're just, all I know is they're trying to discover something about black holes, okay? And, but here's what was crazy. The way they were trying to discover it is all these people, it was about three or four people, including Stephen Hawking, they would just get in a room and do equations, I mean, they would just write equations on notepads and, and boards and, and whiteboards and blackboards. And like, I'm like baffled watching them just literally sit down with the notepad and just start doing math. Like my, my wife is a math teacher and she knows more about math than I care ever to know about. You know, she is super smart. And even she's like looking at some of the things they're doing. She's like, oh my gosh, you know, like just equation after equation after equation. And somehow these equations... The, 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 the solution they come up with, that these equations, will tell them all they need to know about these properties of black holes. And so they finally come to this conclusion, they finally get the answer they're looking for, and it's after like 200 pages of one equation. And I'm like, what? Like, it baffled me that they were able to make this 200-page equation that gives them answers about black holes. That was so incredible to me. But while I'm watching that, God stops me and goes, Logan, I not only understand that equation, I spoke that equation into being. I spoke that black hole into being that they're studying. It came from my mind, not theirs. And I was just floored at that moment by how creative and big and mighty and powerful my God is. I even think every time I watch one of those nature documentaries, I can't help but watch it to see the animals and to see those ecosystems and all these things in nature and just think, wow, God is cool. <laughs> He's so cool. So He is the creator of all things and He made everything from nothing simply by speaking it into existence and He owns all of it. It's all his. So, what in the world does this have to do with the gospel? 
Right? Because again, the gospel is the announcement that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has brought about a way of salvation and reconciliation back into relationship with Him. So what does creation, what does God being creator have to do with this? And the answer is twofold. All right? There are two big things we learn about the gospel as we look at God's creation. One is that only God is able to make a way for salvation. And two, that God is beyond good to have made a way of salvation in the first place. Creation tells us that God is able to intervene on our behalf and that He is good to have intervened on our behalf. Let's break those down. Uh, God is able to intervene. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, do you see that? Our God, our great creator God, who's made all things for himself, says that he is able to do far more abundantly than anything we ask or even anything we could ever think or imagine. He's able to do it. I mean, just think about it. If our God is powerful enough to speak into existence every single planet and every single solar system and every single galaxy and every single part of the universe, if He is able to hold it all together simply because He wills it to be held together, if He is able to arrange and command the atoms and every single strand of hair on our heads and make them move and behave in the way that they are supposed to, if He is able to speak into existence every kind of animal and species of animal and subspecies of animal, if He is able to do all that, then is there really anything He's not able to do? No! God is able to do absolutely anything He wants, even save lost souls. He is able. But you see, this also tells us something about ourselves. It says that we are not able. God is able, but you and I, we are not able to intervene. We're not able to save ourselves. You see, when, when you look at God, when you look at all that He has done, when you look at all of the scientific discoveries of creation, you begin to realize and understand that God is not only the one who created these things, but He holds them together. He sustains them. And He did all of it simply by speaking it. You begin to understand not just how powerful and good and holy God is, but how small and weak and powerless you are. And the fact of the matter is that when God created us, when God created man, Scripture says that He made us completely different from everything else in creation. He says, unlike anything else, we were made in His image. We were made to mirror and reflect and image forth this awesome, beautiful Creator God. We were made to have a relationship with God, not because God was lonely. You know, like God wasn't like, man, I really wish I had some company. I know God was perfectly sufficient in and of Himself. It's not because He was lonely that He made us in His image, but because He desired to use us to make His glory known. And yet we looked at this God and we said no. We said no. We disobeyed God. We chose our own paths, our own ways over His. We sinned 
against this all-powerful God, and therefore that relationship, that beautiful relationship at the very beginning was completely severed. His image in us was marred and tainted and broken by sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you see that? We don't possess His glory. We fall short of His glory. So let me, let me ask you something. What in the world makes us think that we are able to save ourselves? What makes us think there is absolutely anything we can do to fix this relationship with this Almighty God that we broke? There's absolutely nothing that we as broken image bearers of God are able to do in order to fix this broken relationship. We're sinful. We were meant to image and reflect God's glory on this earth, not destroy it and taint it. There is nothing we can do to fix it. But God is able. God is able. He is able to take sinners who have disobeyed Him, who have said no to Him, who have severed that relationship, and He is able to make a way for us to come back. He is able. Is that not good news? That's the best news. But here's the fact of the matter. Not only does creation show us that God is able, but it also shows us that He is insanely, immensely, and incredibly good to save sinners. God is good to intervene on our behalf. He is good to have made a way. Because here's the thing that we've got to understand. Not only are we not able to save ourselves, we don't deserve to be saved in the first place. I mean, I hear all the time, how can such a good God allow such suffering in this world? You know, there's 20 years of 9-11. How could a good God have allowed that to happen? How could a good God allow us to still be in a pandemic right now? How could a good God allow for a hurricane to slam into the banks of Louisiana? How can a good God allow so many thousands of people to die from disease and from cancer and from so many things? Listen, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not how could God allow those things. Honestly, the question is why doesn't He make more of those things happen? And you may be like, hold up, that's, how can you say that? That is horrible. But my question to you is, how can you not say that? Because the fact of the matter is, He is the creator of everything. He made us. He's the designer. He's the builder. He's the programmer. He's the one who's in control of all things. And yet we had the audacity to say no to Him, to disobey Him, to break His law, to sin against Him. And then we want to turn around and say that, God, you owe us salvation. Listen, guys, God owes us nothing. Actually, I take that back. He does owe us something. And what He owes us is punishment and wrath and judgment. He, he, owes us, he owes us punishment. That's what we're owed by God. He owes us wrath. Every single bit of wrath and punishment that He has, that is what we deserve. But God. But God. God gave all the wrath, all the punishment, all the judgment we deserved, and He gave it to the one man who never deserved it, Jesus Christ. Romans 5a, but God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you see this? It is not because God owed us anything. It is not because we are somehow deserving of God's grace simply because we exist. It is simply the fact that God is good and that God loves us, that He sent Jesus to pay the debt that we owe to God. Jesus is the only man who ever existed, who never once sinned, who never once spurned God's image, who fully lived in this perfect relationship with God that we were created to live. And yet Jesus died in our place. He took the punishment we deserved. He took the debt that we owed so that we could be forgiven of every sin, made right with God, and be saved back into relationship with Him. How good is our God, church? How good is our God? He is so incredibly good to us. This is the gospel. When you begin to look at how powerful God is, how incredible His creation is, how magnificent He is, you begin to understand just how good the cross and resurrection of Christ really is. Even King David said in Psalm 8, verses 3-4, through When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You know, David sees the work of creation. He sees God's hand in all he made. And he says, who are we? You know, who are we that not only do you see us, not only do you pay attention to us, but you have affection for us. God still made a way. He sent his only son, Jesus, to stand in the gap to intervene, to take a cross, to bear the weight of all of our sin as His own, though He never sinned. Guys, we don't deserve it. We don't. We don't deserve it. But God. The two most beautiful words in all of Scripture. But God. He is able and He is good to save us. This is the Gospel. The invitation is simply for you to believe it. Surrender your life to this great God who died and rose from the dead, who created all things, who had every right to just do away with us, but instead brought us near. Would you believe that message today? Thank you for joining in. Thank you for tuning in. We love you, and as we say to you always, grace and peace.